Brexit means Brexit. An exit from Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Seamus and Notch is a great idea. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Debated. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Conrad. Hello. And in this episode, our guest is a Labour Party activist and former council and parliamentary candidate, George Aitler. Hello, George. Hello there. How are you doing? Oh, well, I'm very well, yeah. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um First of all, I'd like to ask, what do you think um, the European election results mean for the Labour Party? I think it's very interesting, the results, uh, what happened this week. So we've seen, I think you've got to look at the history around uh, general elections, etc, uh, etc. Et so if you look at the idea that oppositions don't win elections, but governments lose... Last week's results, although not ideal for the Labour Party, show that the Conservatives are in such a poor position where they got single-digit share of the vote and their worst result since 1832. Now, some are floating the idea that Labour are not on course to win the general election because of Labour's results. However, it doesn't look like the Conservatives are on course to be heading for re-election. So if we have a look at this case, there's only two parties with a realistic chance of forming the next government. It's either the Labour Party or it's the Conservative Party. And I don't think anyone is realistically saying that the Conservatives are heading back to power for this result. I think Labour, of course, needs to re-emerge from this result and do a lot more to grow from this. But, you know, the fact is that I don't think the Conservatives are in a strong position for re-election. So I think we need to look at it in terms of the wider results of the local elections and the European elections or where Labour can go from here. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting the next few weeks, but it'll be certainly interesting to hear what you both think uh, is going to happen next. Well, I mean, anyone who predicts anything with any certainty in politics these days is, I think, making a mistake, to be honest. But uh, So I'm not going to try and definitively say what I what I think is going to happen but it's I think it all depends on who's the next Prime Minister really, that's the big thing that's up in the air at the moment and whether that person can win back voters that Conservatives have lost to the Brexit Party in the EU elections or whether it's whether that loss is going to continue on unabated um, I think that if, if someone like Boris Johnson is picked then I think there's there's a reasonable chance of actually getting some of those voters back but then if it's Rory Stewart perhaps not but I don't know uh, what's your views on on the next prime minister I, I honestly think the country is so screwed with the uh, list of candidates for the conservative party leadership we've got Boris Johnson <laughs> Boris Johnson who's the lead candidate we've got people like Gove and people unironically saying we're ready for the hashtag government like it's just uh, Honestly, I, I'm so terrified for the future if the Conservatives remain in power. However, the Conservatives now, they, they realise the only way back to electability is to get Brexit delivered and get these Brexit voters back on board because they've abandoned the party in droves. But what would a no-deal mean for the country? It would mean instability in Northern Ireland, food shortages, medical shortages, and they're willing to play with that just to for short-term political gain. I think that's really, really dangerous. So I'm really not optimistic about any of the options the Conservatives have. And uh, 
you know that's why i'm you know going to be campaigning as hard as i can to make sure that people like boris johnson the let nowhere near power i'll be interesting to see what i mean who, who do you think should be the candidate as well as will who do you both think uh conservatives are gonna pick next I think, I mean, Boris is the front runner, which is obviously a dangerous position in the Tories because front runner never yeah. seems to get it. Um, but he's the person that I'm supporting because I think he's the only one who's actually got a the sort of name already out there. Because at the, at the, uh, I think there's very likely there's, as you say, there might be a general election quite soon because the current parliament doesn't seem to be able to get Brexit through anytime soon. And I think that. The the best chance the Conservatives have is with someone like Boris Johnson because if you have someone who's unknown and they have to make a name for themselves, there's not much time to do it. And I think that maybe some someone like Jeremy Hunt could hold the party together a bit longer with that election, but I think it's still going to have to happen eventually because there's no. I just can't see this Parliament passing Brexit in any meaningful form. I mean, even if the uh, potential successor is unknown, they could always try what Rory Stewart is doing at the moment, which seems to be going everywhere with his camera and hoping that people will come along and support him. So, I mean, I think it all really depends who the final two will be, because, I mean, polling has shown that if Boris is in uh, the final two, then he will win on the membership but I think that you know if he doesn't go to the membership it's completely up in the air because there seem to be quite a few candidates that are aimed at either uh, halting Boris getting to the final two or stopping him completely do you think that because of the current chaos with the Parliamentary Conservative Party uh, whether that will make it easier for Labour to present legislation to the House that might have a chance to get passed into law because the Parliamentary Labour Party doesn't seem quite as uh, disunited as the Conservatives do at the moment. I don't think there's going to be any legislation passed right now because all the focus and energy is on Brexit. You know, I think Theresa May's biggest achievement is the uh, Space Industry Act of 2018 and i think that is probably the only thing the conservatives have really done since uh, the brexit referendum really because all the time and attention has been focused on that you know we managed to get a climate emergency declared a couple of weeks ago and uh but i don't think that was because of uh necessarily what is happening at the moment it, it's just all the time and energy is being sucked away when important issues are facing the country and uh you know i don't think it's going to make a difference the parliamentary arithmetic is there the whips will remain the same i don't think there'll be any mass rebellions from the conservatives over you know certain legislative powers because i think i don't think they're going to be really 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 introducing much but uh it, it it's quite interesting to see what's going to happen and see what the Tories do you know we've seen a labor leadership contest in 2016 and that was uh you know being part of uh you know in within the labor circle seeing that happen it must have been quite uh you know for Tory members watching from the outside no doubt they would have enjoyed it it's finally get an opportunity to watch uh, the conservatives have a conservative leadership contest because it's going to be interesting to watch and because there's so many candidates and so many different views and 
you know, so much bitter infighting there. I think it's going to be quite interesting to see. But, I mean, my question is, is really important. So the withdrawal agreement cannot be reopened. And uh, there was something that was tweeted by Sam Gima, uh, Sam Gima last night uh, saying that uh, um, no prime minister can reopen the negotiations in the extension period. So no one can really change the Brexit deal. We, so it's either they have to say we are prepared to accept this deal or no deal. So, I mean, Conrad, you, you have a vote in this. Uh, what 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 do you want to see candidates do now? Because they can't reopen really the negotiations. Do you want this deal or no deal? I think I think to, uh, like I think the best thing is try. So I know I know, it's, I know that the EU at the moment are saying there is no possibility of any renegotiation at all. But I think obviously that's that's without knowing necessarily what they even what the new prime minister might even be asking for. So I think that that all they can do is try, and if they can't get changes, I think that leaving with no deal, it because this deal is obviously not going to get passed. Because you know that that Parliament's voted against it three times. Uh, on the third occasion, I did support, and the second occasion actually, I I did support it um, being passed because I saw the I saw this coming basically that there would that without leaving like. When, with that deal as it was wet as then that we could have see a delay and then possibly no Brexit at all which is what I was concerned about so I did support the deal at that time but um, it's obvious the deal's dead um, in its current form at least so if there can't be changes then I think no deal is the only way which we can both deliver on the result of the referendum and also um, and you know get, actually get you know then afterwards move on to governing and do other things that, uh, you know, the country needs because, you know, we need to get Brexit sorted. What what do you mean by other things? What Because there's been no Conservative leadership candidate actually offering any policy apart from Dominic Raab cutting rate of tax. What things will the Conservatives do to address poverty, inequality, homelessness, home ownership, the climate emergency. I mean, what policies do you think the Conservatives will offer in the future? Well, I mean, on this? I, I, it's hard to predict because obviously we don't know who the next leader is going to be. And I think, I hope this election, this leadership election, is about more than just Brexit. I think realistically, it's going to be mostly about Brexit because obviously it's still on the table, and that's probably my main priority in terms of looking at who I'm picking is I'm looking, looking to someone who actually believes in Brexit and wants to get us out. But sec, like, I hope that whoever it is also has, you know, some new answers to present and it's, they're not just continuing like Theresa May, like failed ideas of like, just, just, you know, ignoring everything else and just focusing on Brexit. And they actually have some ideas for the future because Theresa May, I think talked a good talk when she said about the, um, the burning injustices and stuff, but she never had any time to do any any of those things because everything was just eaten up by Brexit. What three policies do you want to see the Tories adopt um, in the future? What one? Doesn't matter who the leader is. What do you policies. want to see your party? Ooh, um, I'd like to see expansion of grammar schools, which is something Theresa May did suggest but never actually went about doing. Um, Oh, three. Um, I like. Yeah, I'd like to see the rate of tax cut um, for the lowest paid earners, which Dominic Raab has suggested, which which I do like to be honest. And um, 
What other one? Um, and some, some investment on home building, so and building houses and um, cleaning up brownfield sites. So that's sort of my three kind of areas that I'd like to see some movement on once Brexit's sorted. What about you, Will? What what three policies do you want to see implemented <laughs> across the country? Uh, well, I think I would I would quite like to see um, the commitments made uh, by Labour in their manifesto to be implemented. But of course, that's not going to happen uh, necessarily in the moment. Uh, I think that yeah. there's a lot to there's a lot that needs to be done um, to do with inequality, uh, with home ownership, and I think really that. Um, the problems that have arisen recently in the benefit system need to be properly dealt with. And I don't think any of the uh, current candidates for the Conservative leadership are going to deal with it in a way that I would like to see, which is a reform of the system. Fair play, fair play. Yeah, no, I think it's... Uh, I, I, so essentially you want to see... I mean, what, what, what do you want to see expanded on... Uh, on the 2017 manifesto in terms of like committed policy so i know many are pushing for a green new deal universal basic income trials uh you know free public transport which has been embraced by scottish labor right now and that's what the end goal they want to see in the end free public transport um i mean what what sort of things do you want to see stone cold clear in the next labor manifesto i mean i would quite uh, like to see more uh, regarding clean energy because I think I mean I I think there were some interesting things regarding that in the manifesto but I think we can particularly with the um, uh, recent Extinction Rebellion uh, protests I think we can go further than perhaps we did in the manifesto to um, make the economy greener and to reduce carbon emissions um, and I think that it's something that hopefully we will be able to achieve in the future. But at the moment, with the uh, parliamentary arithmetic, that seems a bit of a way off, at least 2022. I would just uh, like to ask, because you said earlier that um, because of the deadlock in the parliamentary arithmetic, it seems that the option for the Conservatives is between the withdrawal agreement and no deal. Where do you think that leaves the Labour Party? Oh, as we saw today and yesterday, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, John McDonnell, Diane Abbott have all come out in favour of a public vote on Brexit now because, you know, the, the, the choices are it's May's deal, it's no deal. I think the time is... I would like to see Citizens' Assembly, but there doesn't seem the political will in Parliament to have a Citizens' Assembly, which is a shame... A customs union doesn't look like it's uh, got the parliamentary majority. In fact, there's, there's, no, there's no parliamentary majority for anything right now. However, the, the idea of a public vote on Brexit, which is not something that I personally support, but because the Labour Party have already backed it numerous times in Parliament, it seems a bit... I think it would look bad if they backtrack on it. So I think they're just going to fully commit for a public vote on Brexit and the statements from the leader, Shadow Chancellor and the Home Secretary, Home Secretary um, you know, they, they confirmed that Labour are going for the public vote position now because they can't back May still, they won't back no deal and, um, you know, the withdrawal agreement's not going to be open 
for renegotiation and because uh, and the time for compromise it was trying to be reached. We had six weeks of talks, which led to nothing. They were pushing for a permanent customs union, which was rejected. So, I mean, the position is either Labour back May's deal, which won't happen. They back no deal, which won't happen. Therefore, they've got to go for a public vote. And I think what's going to happen there will be very similar to 1975, where you had a referendum and it would be up for basically a free vote of the you know, shadow cabinet and the parliamentary Labour Party saying they can campaign how they want. I've no doubt most of the parliamentary Labour Party will back Remain in that referendum if it were to happen. But it's quite interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Conservatives move from here because they're going to say no deal is going to be the default. But if Parliament rejects no deal, then that puts them in a very sticky situation. So, I mean, Conrad, what do you think? If Parliament reject no deal and they reject all other options, do you think, I mean, what option, what what do you think should happen there? Do you think if Parliament can't decide anything, should there be another mechanism of dealing with it? I mean, Parliament have already rejected no deal, unfortunately. So um, I, I think what the leader needs to do is, is like basically face down Parliament a bit because obviously they, they can reject no deal with all they like in terms of these motions, but the law they they all you know not all but like the majority of MPs passed saying that, you know the Article Fifty Bill was which set the date which we'd leave and that's been pushed back but it's still there in law that that we leave on that date with or without a deal so the and only obviously statute can override statute so at the moment it is still the legal default if there is like. A, a, a situation where there is a, a face down and there is like Parliament are, are becoming more and more, you know, aggressive in trying to stop No Deal against and there's government versus Parliament in that way, then there might have to be a general election because there, there, uh, there's no other way out in that term. And then hopefully from that, we, I mean, I don't know what would happen in a general election. It's really like it, it, anything could happen. I mean, we've seen how unpredictable politics is at the moment. You know, you could see Nigel Farage end up as prime minister. So, you know, for all we know. With, um, but, I mean, what's, so, so George, what's your view on, you said that you think Labour's going to move towards supporting a public vote, but what's your view on the effect that has in Northern Labour constituencies which have just voted for the Brexit Party in the EU elections? No, no, very good question. I think there's something that needs to be talked about within Labour circles. I, I live in Hull right now, and uh, there was an overwhelming support for the Brexit Party in Hull. 44% of voters back the Brexit Party. Labour got, I think, around 20%. Uh, and they might have even got a bit less than that, actually. Um, no, it's a very good question that needs to be addressed. So, I mean, hopefully, you talk about a general election. I really hope this is the case, because we don't just need to address Brexit. We need to address poverty, inequality, etc., etc. And if you can have a general election where you talk about all the issues on the table, and yes, Labour might push a public vote, which might turn some people off. Um, some people I know, for example, uh, my flatmate, he's, uh, he's pro-Brexit, uh, and uh, but he will still vote for the Labour Party in a general election because he believes in the overall vision. He's a uh, believes in socialism in the long term, and. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people, they might see a public vote as something they oppose. I oppose a public vote, but I'm still going to campaign passionately for the Labour Party and for Jeremy Corbyn to become Prime Minister because there are things which are much more important than the European question. I think I care much more about uh, 
Jeremy Corbyn becoming Prime Minister than our relationship with the European Union. And I think a lot of people will, you know, they might take it as a hard thing to swallow, but they would prefer to have, you know, another say on the European question as long as schools are being, uh, you know, money's going into schools in the NHS, railways are being publicly owned and living wage and abolition of tuition fees, they're willing to take that even if it means having another say in Brexit. And all these people would be able to vote leave again and they might actually leave again. I actually am of the opinion that uh, leave will probably very likely win another referendum because I I think many campaigners like Alistair Campbell and the People's Vote campaign have not really uh, taken messages on board since the 2016 referendum. I think the way they've messaged is very poorly. But I, I think the overall vision is what's going to appeal to many people across the north and even if they disagree one policy uh we'll, I, I suppose we'll just wait and see i think and uh it'll be interesting to see what happens but the conservatives are not in a strong position right now to appeal to many voters they haven't delivered brexit on time uh and they just polled single digits uh, last week so it'll be quite interesting i mean will what what do you think is uh what do you think might happen if labor back a public vote especially in the north well, um, I'm not sure exactly how it would play out because I think there are people uh, in the north, and of course we both know uh, the European Parliamentary constituency of Yorkshire and Humboldt well. Uh, you're at university at uh, Hull, and I um, grew up in the, uh, in that constituency. So we both know that there is a deep uh, feeling from a lot of people that they want to leave the European Union and want to vote Brexit. But I don't think it would necessarily do the Labour Party as much harm as I think has been predicted by some. I think that there is the possibility that people, and whether it's justified or not, will feel betrayed by the Labour Party changing position. But I also think that there are a lot of people, a lot of young people, a lot of... um, people who uh, work in industries that will be affected negatively by Britain leaving the European Union, that if Labour puts the case for a second referendum in a way that um, highlights negative uh, social and economic uh, reaction that it will have upon these communities, I think people might be more open to that message now than perhaps they were in the 2016 uh, referendum. But on the point of the referendum, you uh, made an interesting comment about your preference for a people's vote, uh, that you prefaced it by saying that you would prefer a general strike to occur. Now, what I'm interested is how would you, if there were a general strike... How would you go about organising that? And how effective do you think it would be in changing people's minds? Thank you for raising it, actually. So the UCU, uh, just this week, uh, the UCU Congress just endorsed a general strike on the 27th of September for climate justice, organised by an organisation called Earth Strike, which is supported by Extinction Rebellion and many, many different climate organisations like Fridays for Future, Youth Strike for Climate and all agreeing for a general strike on the 27th of September. Now, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. So there's four months to go 
until the 27th of September. Now, the article which I wrote about a general strike was in regards to trying to oust the Conservatives from power by saying that millions of people withdrawing their labour would essentially force the government to take action or stand aside. And I think they absolutely would have to be in that position. But the general strike which is being organised for the 27th of September is something different. It's for climate justice. It's for... Uh, there's actually a meeting this week with uh, organisers to uh, talk about the end goal. But they're saying that if the government uh, do not take active measures to stamp out cli- uh, to tackle climate change in the country, then they're going to organise the first general strike since 1926. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, the fact the first trade union of 120,000 people, the largest post-school education union in the world, have, have come out in favour of a general strike at their congress. I think it's phenomenal. It's huge. And Extinction Rebellion are on board and all these climate organisations are on board. So seeing what happens there is going to be interesting. But I think September 27th could be a huge event. And, uh, you know, there's something I'll certainly be tweeting about and posting about in the future. But I mean, I mean, comrade, will you be joining the the workers on on the general strike on the September 27th? Uh, I mean, mean, on on a serious point... um, would you actually encourage the Conservatives to take more action on tackling climate change? And if they don't take uh, direct action, then can you understand why people would take direct action to ensure uh, you know, their voice is heard? Well, I hope I've found a job by then, because I'm graduating in this July, so hopefully I will have a job, but hopefully I, I don't think I will be going on strike. But on the point about climate change, I do think it's an important issue, and I think the Conservatives have... Have done more than people realise on it. If you look at how much our emissions have dropped compared to the rest of the G20 since the government's been in power since 2010, and if you look at um, like recently we've seen no coal used for like the longest time ever. So I think that there has been more, there's been progress, but I do think that there, there's more that can be done. We that we can invest more in renewable energies like solar power and that. And I think that it, that it is something that the Conservatives should take more seriously because it's an issue that matters a lot to younger people and the Conservatives haven't done so well amongst younger people in elections and I'm not expecting us that to change that too rapidly but I think that there's more that we could do to to show that we actually care. So yeah, I think there is there is more we could do. But I um, I wouldn't endorse a general strike. <laughs> about you will what do you think about this general strike for climate which has already been supported by one trade union and many climate organizations it's uh you know if the government do not take meaningful measures to tackle the climate emergency which needs to be dealt with right now because there is a you know catastrophic uh you know catastrophic catastrophic series of events which will happen if we do not deal with this you talk about Hull. we mentioned Hull. you know you say you live in the parliamentary constituency that parliamentary constituency would be underwater if uh, global emissions rise by I believe one and a half two per two degrees so would you, would you support meaningful action being taken by people if that even if that means a general strike millions of people withdrawing their labor on the 27th of september do you think if the government don't take action we join in well, I, I think it's it's an interesting uh, point to raise because obviously climate change is a um, is a, a very real issue and it's uh, an issue that is uh, threatening us all. 
I just wonder. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested um, to see what the reaction would be from people, maybe perhaps not involved in the strike, but other members of the general public, because we saw quite a very positive reaction to the Extinction Rebellion climate strike. But we also saw quite a negative reaction from certain people. And I'm not just um, referring to the press, but certain individuals uh, who, who, who perhaps didn't take it in the spirit that the organisers wanted them to. So I would be interested to see whether a climate uh, strike like this, backed by a trade union, whether that would um, have more of a positive impact on people or whether it would have perhaps more of a, a, a negative impact on people. I, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting um, question. And I think it's... No, no, go on, go on. I was going to say, the thing about Extinction Rebellion is that if you look at opinion polling regarding uh, most important issues regarding people in the United Kingdom, climate change in a YouGov poll was higher than immigration. And I think that the direct action from Extinction Rebellion really did push climate change up the agenda. And I think you've got a good point. You know, if, if a political action happens, there's not going to be consensus that this is good or bad. There will always be uh, supporters and opponents. And of course there will be, especially if there's the first general strike in Britain since 1926. That will certainly divide opinion. But, you know, Conrad, you said we're doing very well. You said uh, we, we, we're doing better than others when it comes to tackling the climate emergency. We're not doing anywhere near enough. And if you have a look at our CO2 emissions per capita, we're only just slightly behind China when it comes to that. Um, only countries ahead of us are Germany, Japan, the Netherlands, Canada, Australia, and the United States. We are such a large economy, and we are producing a lot of CO2 uh, per capita. And this is a global general strike, by the way. So the Earth Strike, uh, there is a UK branch uh, of the Earth Strike who are organising the 27th of September general strike. But these are events happening across the world. They're being organised, you know, trade unions have endorsed them in Canada. They've endorsed them in Sweden very well as well. But the United Kingdom is just one country that's going to be participating. And do, do you think us being slightly behind China uh, but per CO2 emissions per capita, do you think that's good enough? I don't think it's good enough. I think there's more we can do. But I think that the progress we've made in, in the last 10 or so years has been more than has been shouted about. And because it's been going on kind of in the background, it's not been, you know, like, the main driving force of the government and it's sort of the, the focus has been more on the economy and, and jobs and now Brexit that people haven't noticed as much the actual statistics that, that, it's, that it is better than it was I, but there is, as you say there is a lot more that can be done in the future and that should be done The people of Hull uh, probably won't be too happy that a city will be underwater if things are not challenged right now. So it'll be quite interesting to see. I think, uh, and, and again, the Labour Party, you know, I, I think we can be a lot more bolder. And the idea of a Green New Deal where we basically combine tackling economic injustice with uh, climate injustice and putting them both together and getting, you know, a huge investment in the economy as well as tackling climate change. I think, you know, you 
you kill two birds with one stone there. I think it's absolutely fantastic that this idea is gaining momentum and has received support from momentum in the Labour Party. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see where Labour go from there. But, you know, if no action is taken, I see a lot of people probably willing to take action, direct action, whether that be in the form of Extinction Rebellion or taking to the streets and uh, taking a day off work on the September 27th. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think we'll, I think you're right, there might, will be opposition. But I think an action this big would get noticed. And I think probably action would be taken from there. You know, I wrote about how a general strike of people withdrawing their labour would make a difference. So it'd be very interesting. Very interesting. I'm wondering, um, because you mentioned uh, Alistair Campbell and the people's vote earlier, I wondered what your reaction was to his expulsion from the Labour Party today. (laughs) So, I mean, we've had rules in place for ages and the idea that people say that this is some sort of Stalinist uh, attempt to remove dissenting voices. This rule has been in place since Tony Blair was leader. Um, you know, if it's very clear in page 12 of the rule book that you cannot campaign against the Labour Party if there is a Labour candidate. And Alistair Campbell going on TV in front of millions of people saying that he proudly voted for the Liberal Democrats and thinking the rules won't apply to him, no chance. I think uh, the action was very, it was was simple Labour Party procedure. It's automatic expulsion if you do that. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, I think a lot of people are very annoyed, especially Labour campaigners who have advocated for a public vote on Brexit. They were campaigning, knocking on doors, week in, week out, getting Labour MEPs who supported a public vote, uh, you know, trying to get them into power. And then Alistair Campbell doesn't even endorse that and then actively says he proudly voted for the Liberal Democrats, a party which caused austerity and supported £80 billion of austerity, supported the bedroom tax. You know, they led to the causes of Brexit, essentially. There was a study done which showed that millions of people who were impacted by welfare cuts voted for Brexit out of, uh, you know, to give the establishment a kicking. They caused Brexit, essentially. And then Alistair Campbell goes on and votes for them. No, Follow the rule book. He knows the rule book as well. He knew exactly what he was doing. So, honestly, I, I have very little sympathy with uh, Alistair Campbell. He broke the rules and, uh, you know, the rules should apply to him. I mean, what do you both think uh, about it? Uh, Will, what do you think first about I mean, I, I agree that it, it's quite clear in the, um, the Labour Party's rule book that, you know, if you vote or support a party that is opposed to the Labour Party, that you're going to get... Uh, expelled. But I also think it's interesting, the points that have been raised by quite a few people is that, you know, he made that statement on election night and he's been expelled today. But there are people who have been accused of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party who have not been expelled or it's taken months for them to be expelled or sometimes they've been suspended for a bit and then their membership reinstated. Do you have any sympathy with the argument that it seems perhaps somewhat uh, bad press for the Labour Party to uh, to suspend Alistair Campbell today based on that, but at the same time fail to expel people who are accused of anti-Semitism and have expressed anti-Semitic opinions? 
the procedures are different, you know, when it comes to this. You know, anti-Semitism has no place in the Labour Party and there are mechanisms on board and processes to deal with cases. So people who can make... So Naz Shah, for example, uh, she shared an anti-Semitic post on Facebook in 2014 and uh, since then held her hands up, was deeply apologetic, reached out to the Jewish community and, you know, many people in the Jewish community say she's an ally against anti-Semitism now. I mean, the whole point about expulsion, it is it, it is a strong measure taken uh, to, for discipline. And uh, the difference between anti-Semitism cases is that people can make comments. Uh, there's a right to reply uh, as well there as well. And if people have genuinely said, I'm genuinely sorry and want to repent for their sins essentially and uh, they can have the opportunity to do that like Nashar did so I do think people obviously there's a difference between people who are unapologetically anti-semitic and do not apologize and keep on making those comments they have no place in the Labour Party whatsoever and they should absolutely get out but the, the, I think it's disingenuous to compare the two because the procedure of breaking the Labour Party rule book is automatic expulsion Meanwhile, when it comes to disciplinary cases regarding, you know, certain comments, you have right to reply, you have appeal, you have, um, you know, action to be taken in the meantime. So the procedures are two different things. So I think it's quite disingenuous to compare, compare the two. Yes, Labour needs to do a lot more to tackle anti-Semitism in its ranks, but I don't think people... Uh, saying this argument that, oh, they automatically expelled uh, Alistair Campbell. Um, it, it, they're two different things. They, they genuinely are. And uh, people should uh, understand the mechanisms and internal functionings of the Labour Party uh, first on that. But yes, I, I, I agree. More needs to be done to tackle anti-Semitism. And, uh, you know, I think with the uh, e Equality and Human Rights Commission today launching an investigation there needs to be full cooperation and Labour have said there will be full cooperation and uh, you know if conclusions are drawn from the investigation of uh, how we deal with the issue then that will be of course should be taken on board and it'll be interesting to see uh, the findings of the outcome and to see the scale of the problem because I think for a long time people do not understand the scale of the problem I think there is a problem and I think it needs to be dealt with so uh, you know we'll wait to see what the conclusions and findings are there but uh regarding alistair campbell they're two different mechanisms that yeah it's interesting that you should um, raise the equality human rights commission uh, investigation of the Labour party because i'm looking at labor's official response at the moment and there's one line that i find particularly striking i i, I wondered sort of like you could give me your reaction to that uh it says the ability to investigate the Labour Party has been undermined by a 70% budget cut since 2010. Now, what do you think? What do you think that says in bringing that up in the official response? I, I should read the full statement. I, you know, I've had a lot of tweets, and uh, you know, I haven't actually had the chance to read the the full statement. Um, I think that a separate issue should have been brought up at a separate occasion. I think, uh, you know, when you're directly responding to uh, an investigation there and, uh, you know, I've seen the uh, Equality and Human Rights Commission statement, but I haven't seen the full Labour response apart from snippets uh, uh, tweeted to me. I think it's just, you should have raised that at a separate time. You should have just said, fully cooperating with the investigation and, uh, you know, necessary steps. But I'll give that a read later and, uh, you know, I'll certainly... 
yeah, yeah. say what I need to yeah. do. But yeah, I think it's just the wrong time to mention it, essentially. Focus on, uh, you know, how how we respond to this and how we will cooperate and if there are conclusions of whether or not we will take them on. And, and I think it will be... Um, I think, I think, yeah, I, th- I think we'll just wait and see what happens. And uh, I also think today, um, you, you know, I, I think it's, it's a shame we really have got to this point. But, uh, you know, I want to see anti-Semitism stamps out. And uh, I hope, I, I hope the action will be taken to do that. Um, finally, uh, before we end the podcast, I would uh, like to ask you, in an interview a few years ago, um, you got asked about uh, your favourite book, and uh, part of your response was that you said that you used to be a big fan of Darren Shan. Uh, I'm a, I was also a big fan of Darren Shan. I wondered what was your favourite Darren Shan book. Oh my goodness, that is really a blast in the past there. Oh my god! I think it was the fifth book. I can't. It was about the trials and um, oh, what was, the, what was the title of the book? Um, but basically, you had to go undergo a few trials in order to get to. Uh, oh goodness! Actually, you know what? I take that back. The Thin Executioner, I think, was um, a phenomenal read because that only came out uh, only a couple of years ago, and I read that whilst on holiday. And uh, it basically is about the moral of the story. There is. Um, you know, people were being executed, and we ended up in this position where, uh, you know, this this person could not be killed. And right at the end of the book, it talks about how imprisoning people is better than killing people. And uh, it was quite quite an <laughs> idea that the death penalty is uh, not fit for you know the modern day. But I, I found the Thin Executioner my my favourite, and it was a longer read, and uh, it was separate from the original saga, but it was really really good. What about yourself? Which was your favourite? Oh, ah, I to be honest, I enjoyed all of the um, the saga, of, uh, particularly the saga of Darren Chan books. I also enjoyed the uh, Lantern Creepsley books. I thought they were nice and sort of like um, building up the the background to the universe. Well, uh, George, it's been great having you on. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. I think it's been a uh, a great time, um, and uh, you know, we all look forward to. Uh, seeing what other things you will be uh, doing in the future. Conrad, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it and uh, hope you both have a lovely day. <laughs>